Hey guys, it's the hardcore icon Just Incredible. I want you to listen to the best podcast in the world, Pro Wrestling Podcast. Follow them on Twitter at Pro W Podcast. Now that's not just the coolest, and that's not just the best Pro Wrestling Podcast. That's just incredible. Check them out. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hold one. Arm drag. Who are you to, to, to doubt El Dandy? Because this guy's a serious professional. Brett screwed Brett. Hold two. Arm bar. Hey, get a nice shot of the brand new Mr. and Mrs. Hunter Hurst Helmsley. I hate you. I hate you. I hate your hat. I hate your t-shirts. I hate your wristbands. I hate your shoes. I hate your music. I hate the C-Nation. I hate everything that you stand for. So does rule. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Hold three. The moss-covered, three-handled family grenadzel. It's me, Austin. It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. Just when they think they got the answers, I change the questions. Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Mecca of the World in I am your dangerously, dashingly, strikingly sexy, ever so smooth talking, ever so amazing host, Nick. And with me, as always, is Matt. Hello, wrestling people. You know, it feels really good to be back, Nick, last time you did the podcast on your own. It does. Doesn't it? And uh, I got to tell you, I listened to your podcast. The one you did without me. With Power Man Jet 2, which is available right on our Twitter page, YouTube, all that fun stuff. It is currently the pinned tweet. Um, but anyway, go ahead. Please compliment me. Tell me how awesome I was. That was a train wreck. Oh, wow. How are you going to diss the boys like that? Oh, you want to know how I'm going to diss the boys like that? Yes. Okay, well, like, here's... Here's how I'm going to diss you, Nick, because <laughs> I, I actually wrote my little review in my notes here. So, uh, let's see. <laughs> what is this? So, it, wait a minute. Hold on. F before you get into this, I just want to say, I'm assuming this has nothing to do with Powerbomb Power Jutsu coming on the show. It's more so against me, isn't it? No, I'm talking about that one podcast where I couldn't be there. And uh, you oh, decided to go by yourself. That podcast. Okay, it's Podcast City lately, folks. It's been Podcast City lately. But before you get into that, if you want to hit up the show, the Gmail is ProWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Once again, ProWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Facebook is Facebook.com slash ProWrestlingPod. Once again, Facebook.com slash ProWrestlingPod. Twitter is at ProWPodcast. Once again, at ProWPodcast. The website is ProWrestlingPod.blogspot.com. Once again, ProWrestlingPod.blogspot.com. Available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, right here on Anchor. So now with all the, the, the plugs out of the way, Matt, please enlighten me. Tell me how bad I was going solo. Uh, just to recap, uh, 
about a month ago, I couldn't do the show due to a scheduling conflict. I was out of town. So Matt did the show by himself. Fast Which forward, ruled, by the way. Which was our lowest rated episode. Surprise, surprise. And then, what? <laughs> and then two weeks later, I had to host it because I can't remember exactly why, but you weren't able to do the podcast. So we kind of went head to head in a really bizarre way of solo podcast. So with that being said, Matt, please let, let's, let's hear it. Point Dexter. What kind of notes did you take? Come on, you pencil neck right. geek. What do you got? All right. On my notes, it actually literally says Nick's solo review. <laughs> okay. Let's start about how yes. you went off track with the wrestling. And you started talking about Netflix. So? This is a wrestling podcast. We're not here to talk about Stranger Things. Hey, hey, well, okay. Let me stop you right there. Stranger Things is a phenomenal show on Netflix. I don't care what anyone Here we go. The wheels have fallen off again. <laughs> it's my show. I can let the wheels fall off. But go ahead. Continue. Please enlighten me. I, I will give you credit, though, at that Netflix thing, because you did talk about WoW, which is a wrestling-based I TV think you show. mean glow, but thank you. Apparently, it's nice to know that you can actually listen to a podcast. It's glow. The gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Get it right. Oh, for some reason, I wrote wow for women <laughs> of wrestling. That just shows you how bad of a TV show it is. It, it just shows that your, your hearing sucks, but go ahead. <laughs> All right, how about this one? This is the biggest issue I had with your solo show. Oh, by all means. There was no 24-7 championship update. Well, you, you know why? Because it's my show. I can do what I want. There was I no cut, update. If I want to cut your crappy segment, I'm going to cut your crappy segment. we do on this show. Sorry. <laughs> you you want to know where it was? It, was? it was being defended. There. There's your update. Are you happy? You got your update. I, I'm extremely disappointed with that. Yeah, and you know what, Matt? Do you want my notes on your episode? Do you want my well, notes? Well, I, I got one more thing for you. Fine. What? What's What's one more thing? When you ended the show, you stole one of the things I usually do. I usually yell out something stupid to try and get a reaction out of you. Yes. Okay. One, there's no one there for you to get a reaction out of. <laughs> and two, it was the lamest thing I've ever heard. Be more creative, WWE. It's better than half the crap you spew out. You're, you're terrible. Congratulations, you're the Michael Cole of podcasting. How's it feel? Oh, don't go there. <laughs> you're the Michael Cole. Hey, keep it up. I'm going to call you David Otunga. That's a step up. Mike Adamley? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man, was he a train wreck on commentary? It was just a chain wreck, period, really. Now the wheels have fallen off. <laughs> we have all this exciting wrestling news, and we start with Mike Adamley. That's... <laughs> In 2019. In 2019. Well, talking about 2019, you you told me a, a bunch of things as we prepare, as usual. Um, one of the things that uh, you told me, again, about 2019 is a certain superstar is returning to Impact, which shocked me beyond belief uh a wwe couple getting married uh random tag teams galore we gotta talk about a couple new tag teams that formed a major superstar is set to retire from wwe what 
King of the Ring Bracketology. We're breaking down the first round, our picks, how we stand, things like that. And, of course, Matt's crappy segment, Who, Who, Who is the 24-7 champion? And a WWE brand officially announced to be airing on USA Network. Now, with all that said, I got to go to the one story that I really am curious to hear about. Uh, This is the first time hearing about this. And that is a major superstar to retire from WWE. This was a shock. I did not hear anything about this. You told me literally right before we started recording this episode. Um, So with that being said, Matt, who is this superstar set to retire? This is a phenomenal name that we're going to talk about. Of course, I am talking about AJ Styles. What? 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 (laughs) What? AJ Styles. Yeah, what? (laughs) This isn't a Stone Cold segment. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, AJ Styles recently went on Lillian Garcia's podcast, which is called Clashing Glory. Uh, He said, and I quote, I can tell you that the contract that I signed here in the WWE is my last. This is it for me. This is where I'm going to end my career no matter what happens. I got to, you know. I want to be there for my kids. But with that being said, uh, AJ Styles did sign a brand new deal back in March. So he is locked up for the next five years. But come five years, no more Styles. Well, now... Okay, see, my, here's, and here's my line of thinking with that. Um, first off, five years can change, all, like a lot can happen in five years. Um, that's not a secret, you know. Um, I think that with wrestling fans in general, or not wrestling fans, excuse me, wrestlers, you always hear them say, oh, this is my last contract, or oh, I'm, you know, this, this is it. Like the same kind of stuff AJ is spewing, but how many times have wrestlers reappeared after retirement essentially um so do you think that this actually is aj styles's last contract ever or do you think maybe down the line after those five years maybe he's like yeah maybe i'll work in japan for a year and then call it quits or maybe i'll head to aew and and then hang up the boots that's hard to say i mean aj styles he still performs at a top level and when you perform at a top level like him, it takes a toll on your body. So I, I do kinda I do got a question like at the rate he's going, it is that a reasonable thing from to quit after five years? Yeah, and that's that's I I mean you said it best, really. Um, the thing is with AJ is that he's been performing at such a high level for such a long time already. It, it really does amaze me that he was a rookie in like 2000. And the fact that he's still going strong 19 years later at, dare I say, the same pace as what he was back then is, pun intended, phenomenal. Um, I don't know where I see AJ going. Well, honestly. right now... AJ Styles is 42 years old. So in five years, you're talking about a 47-year-old wrestler. 
I mean, are we still going to be able to see the same high-profile matches that he can put on today? Or well, is his style going to decline a little bit? Or I mean, is there going to be a Styles clash? <laughs> uh, uh, train wreck. <laughs> but I mean, when you hit your, your 40s, that's when you start kind of declining in the ring. Fair. Yeah. I mean, AJ Styles, he he started, he debuted in 1998. 98? Was yeah, that? No. That, that okay. was when he was in the indies. Okay. Because I, I didn't know if he got signed to the power plant and then started, or if he actually worked in the indies before WCW. Yeah, he worked on the indies for a little bit. And then 2001, he went to WCW. Okay. Man, can, did you? First off, I, I know it's obviously it's been a few years, but is this still? And maybe it's just me, but is it still like surreal to you to see AJ in a WWE ring? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there was once upon a time when you would think TNA, the first name that popped in your head was AJ, AJ. Styles. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, look ahead. at it like this. He started, AJ Styles first appeared on programming for the WWE in 2002. He actually turned down a developmental deal. Yeah, and the reason why he turned that down, uh, he went on, I can't remember whose podcast exactly, but he went on podcast and they were talking about that. And he said the reason why he turned it down was because a lot of it had to do with his wife at the time and that he wanted to kind of, stay at home and try to build their relationship up. Like he wasn't fully ready to commit at that point. And I think that was a good thing because if it wasn't for that, he would have never went to TNA. Well, I won't say he never would have went, but he, he built his career in TNA. Oh, hands down. Um, I mean, it really is like, I don't know. I mean, when you think of TNA, you do think of certain names. AJ, I think, without a doubt, is the first name whenever I hear TNA. Um, you, you, Jeff Jarrett, Samoa Joe, um, you know, guys like that, hands down. Shark and Boy. Samoa Joe, AJ, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, there's just some guys that are synonymous with it. And I still that like I just I still cannot get over the fact he's in WWE. And you know, in all honesty, if he wants to retire in WWE, more power to him. You know, it to me, it's it's great to see that he actually loves wrestling for the WWE so much. Um, I I I just I don't know though. There's a voice in me that thinks, well, he is friends with the Young Bucks. He is friends with Kenny Omega. What are the odds that we do see him in AEW? Even if it is a one-off appearance where it's just one match and he faces Kenny Omega, let's just say. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility after his contract is up. Yeah, but do you really count that as him signing a new contract for just a one-off appearance? I do. I do because he technically is signing a contract. I mean, yeah, it's no long-term thing, but we're still seeing him compete. Put it this way. 
2008, when Ric Flair retired, everyone's like, okay, well, he's officially done. He shows up in TNA, and he has a couple of matches there, and he works as, like, a manager or whatever, and that's it. His last contract, well, now is with WWE, but back then, we thought, well, there's no way he's going to wrestle anymore. This has to be the storybook ending. And then he pops up in TNA. Like, I'm kind of comparing it to that in a sense. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen for sure. I just think that there is a possibility we could see him down the line wrestle for AEW. Well, like I was saying earlier, though, come five years, you're looking at AJ Styles being 47. His body could be too beat up to really do anything. I mean, we don't know what the future is going to hold. We don't, but, I mean, you also got to look at Chris Jericho as well. I mean, Jericho's 48, actually, I think, and he's still going. I mean, he's I, I would venture to say Jericho has lost a step, but it's not a huge, noticeable step by any means. But here's the difference between AJ Styles and Chris Jericho. AJ Styles... He's been doing it nonstop, whereas Chris Jericho, he's been taking breaks to the tour with Fozzie, uh, to TV shows and that kind of yeah, thing. That, that's fair. Yeah, that's a good point. We'll see how AJ's career goes. Um, again, and you know what, though? In all honesty, it's I'm glad to see that he's he a has a plan and B, he wants to go out on his own terms, you know, and it, it's not like there's another reason to why he has to step away. Like, you know, he, he's saying straight up, like, this is it. I'm done after this. You know, he's not saying, oh, I'm going to be a part-timer. Or, I mean, maybe he will towards the end of the contract, I'm sure. But, you know, he uh, he knows. And AJ is a smart guy. I mean, he's not stupid. So, I don't know. Con- you know, congrats to him, honestly, if this is it. You know? Now, how he- ironic would that be? He turned down WWE the first time around. Because he wanted to essentially build his family. And now we're talking about he might retire so that he can go the be with that same family. family. That is kind of cool, actually. I never, yeah, that is a good point. Um, oh, kudos to him. All right, so as we shift gears a little bit, this was another shocking thing. And I remember when you told me about this, I said, this is really happening in 2019? Um, it's a new story that, honestly, I... I'm shocked in more ways than one that it's actually happening. And that is Ken Shamrock. Ken freaking Shamrock is headed to Impact. Once again, uh, Ken Shamrock, as you guys all know, he wrestled for TNA back in their early days when they were NWA TNA in 2002. Uh, on pay-per-view, he made a couple appearances. I, be- I believe he was also TNA champion. First first one ever. The first one ever, yeah. So he is apparently headed back to Impact. This is, again, another story that you told me that I have no idea. I, I don't know anything about this. So please enlighten me on why and how this all came about. Ken Shamrock going to Impact. Okay, before I do, it's also uh, interesting to note that he is also a Hall of Famer over there. Really? In Impact? Yeah. Oh, because I, I know that their Hall of Fame, it's kind of like a small list. I didn't think he was one of them. Yeah, usually every year they'll induct like one, two, three guys at most. It's not much. I mean, it's not like WWE where they make a big <laughs> thing of it. 
Yeah, and then they start running thin on the list, as we've seen these past couple of years. But the ironic thing is with TNA, like, the Deli Boys went in while they were still wrestling. Right. So, but, um, yeah, Ken Shamrock, 55, and he's still doing this. 55? God bless him. But uh, this whole thing started because uh, Shamrock started going back and forth on Twitter with Brian Cage. And somewhere down the line, Moose got involved. And uh, Impact's going to be doing a couple TV tapings in Vegas, uh, September 5th and the 6th. And uh, they invited Shamrock to come face-to-face with Moose to further the storyline that started all on social media. (laughs) That's cool. But they've made, like, videos calling each other out, and um, there's all these lengthy tweets going back and forth with them. But uh, the one thing that I did find interesting was they don't say that's going to be an actual match between Moose and Ken Shamrock. They just keep right. saying that Ken Shamrock will be there to, to uh, face off. Yeah, basically confront him. So I don't think he's going to be wrestling during these tapings, but I would say it's in the realm of possibility that he could step in the ring for impact somewhere down the line. Uh, currently, right now, though, He's actually in a small wrestling promotion. Uh, It's called BCW, the Battle Championship Wrestling. Uh, He's one half of the tag team champions with Carlo Cannon. Hmm. So he hasn't really wrestled since, at least on a regular basis, since like June 2004. Was, okay, so back... I'm assuming the last time he really wrestled, that was still with Impact. Yeah, I believe so. Okay. I mean, because I know after that he went back to UFC. Uh, he had a couple of MMA fights. He changed it up, did some commentary work. Um, so he was still involved in MMA and everything. Obviously, he's still at really good shape for his age. Um, do you think it's going to lead to anything, or do you think it's just sort of like a one-off kind of deal? See, that, I kind of want to say it'll be one of those things to where he has this confrontation with Moose and it leads to a match. But on the other hand, I kind of want to say he might stick around for a while because there was a tweet, and I apologize because I don't have it in front of me, so I'm kind of paraphrasing here. It said something about, you know, when he's done with Moose, maybe he'll look at going back to Brian Cage and winning the championship. Okay. How how would you feel if Ken Shamrock won the Impact title in 2019-2020? Ah, that's a... (laughs) Wheels have fallen off kind of moment. (laughs) I mean, right now, Impact, their ratings, as far as I know, they're still not that great. Uh, I don't even think they've switched uh, cable providers. Was uh, access? Isn't there anything supposed to be on access? 
I'm not sure if that deal went through or what all is going with that. Uh, I'll have to look into that one a little bit more. Well, I mean, hey, congratulations to Ken Shamrock. You know, again, I mean, you know, we mentioned with AJ being in top physical condition, especially towards your 40s, is not easy. And both guys clearly have done that. And if Ken Shamrock comes back, I, I that might even be enough for me to tune in at least for one episode of Impact just to see how Ken Shamrock does. I never thought I'd say that in 2019, but here we are saying it. All right, so switching gears a little bit. We don't got to spend a lot of time on this. Um, two superstars got married to one another, and that is the current uh, WWE Universal Champion, Seth Rollins, as well as uh, Becky Lynch. And I, first off, I didn't even know they were dating for the longest time until it came out on TV or WWE.com or whatever. Um, so congrats to them. You know, huge shout out. It's, you know, I'm, I'm sure being on the road so much helps, you know. I mean, there's a lot of WWE couples. Um, it, it's kind of rare that WWE really publicizes that two X are, or two superstars are dating, let alone getting married. So, you know, congrats to them. Actually, I think that kind of went out the window when Total Divas and Total Bellas all came out. Because we're starting to see that a little bit more, like the Miz and Maurice, uh, Rusev and Lana, uh, John Moxley and Renee Young. Oh, that's yeah, that is, that's a good point. They're really, you know, now that you mention it, there are a bunch of couples that they've publicized in the past. Um, by the way, did you know that Charlotte and Andrade are a thing? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, Charlotte and Andrade are a thing. And that just blew my mind on so many levels. I, I could never wow. see them as a couple. But, you know, I'm not... I'm also not a love doctor, so... Nick the love doctor. <laughs> You're listening to Nick the love doctor. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so congratulations to Becky and Seth. Um, the pro-love podcast. <laughs> All right. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, uh, let, let's never wreck. do that. <laughs> uh, so now, <laughs> moving on, I, I got to talk about WWE is apparently, uh, they're, they're loving <laughs> this idea of putting two people together in the tag team and just presenting them with opportunities. Um and there's we we actually we put two, but really there's actually three. Uh, the first team is uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and Sami Zayn look to be a thing. Um, Nakamura a couple weeks ago on SmackDown was a guest on Miz TV, or I'm sorry, it was uh, Sami Zayn rather. And Sami said that now he has this guy in his corner. Out comes uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, the Intercontinental Champion, and they proceed to beat up the Miz and so on and so forth. Uh, fast forward to Raw, we had the team of Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler, who, who are, were just thrown together, and they won a tag team turmoil match to determine the number one contenders for the Raw tag team titles, which really 
the raw the tag team turmoil was really just a gauntlet match essentially and the one other team that we failed to mention when we did the prep was Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman uh, being another makeshift team. So, actually, I thought of another one, but they're kind of like a uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? They've teamed up together before, like but allies? it's been a while. I'm talking about the team of Slater Gator. Slater Gator? Heath Slater and Titus O'Neil. That's a thing? Did I miss that somehow? A long time ago, they used to team up together. And um, on the, I think it was this past Monday on Raw, they, they taped superstars. And I guess they paired them together as a tag team again. Slater Gator. I think that's the name. Don't quote me. I mean, that better be their name. <laughs> I, I don't really watch superstars because it's, I don't think anybody does. Yeah, it's lower talent. No one really cares. I mean, uh, unless you're an EC3 fan. Oh, ouch. <clears throat> Train wreck. <laughs> uh, Train wreck. <laughs> yeah, so makeshift tag teams are a thing in WWE now. Um, Okay, I'll, I'll start from the top. Nakamura and Sami Zayn is a team I didn't think I would actually enjoy, but I kind of am, surprisingly. Um, I hate it. Really? Oh, absolutely. Um, Nakamura, what's with this guy whenever he wins a singles title? He has the most boringest runs ever. When he was United States champion, he did nothing. Now he becomes Intercontinental champion. He doesn't even appear on SummerSlam. Well, but you know what, though? That's WWE essentially bearing that Intercontinental title because look at when Finn had it. Finn didn't do anything with it. That is true. So you would think that would give them all the more reason to push Nakamura as a singles guy. Instead, you're throwing him in a tag team? Well, I'm okay if he's in tag team, but the problem is, is that you need to utilize that tag team. You can't just do it for a makeshift reason and then after a month, just dump them anyway. I wouldn't mind the pairing if Nakamura wasn't the champion. So that's your hang-up is the Intercontinental title. That's my hang-up, because what's the point having the belt on him if you're going to make him do tag team matches? Yeah, and, and, well, I'm not fully against that, though, because we've seen people hold singles titles before and also become tag team champs. Uh, for example, right now, Seth and Braun apparently won the Raw Tag Team titles from the OC, and now you have Seth being a multi-champion right now in WWE. See, I view that a little bit differently, because they're using the tag titles to help boost their storyline, which in all fairness, up to this point is a little rushed. The thing that's saving them is... Uh, the next pay-per-view is still a little bit away. Um, so they can build on it, which which is fine. But I'm not a fan of also using the tag titles as a launching pad for a storyline. I kind of feel like that devalues those titles. Yeah, uh, that's a fair point. I'll give you that one. I don't but know. The Intercontinental title, throughout its history... It's supposed to be the biggest, the second biggest prize you can win in the WWE as a singles guy. 
So when I see something like this happening where Nakamura wins the belt, even with Finn, when he won the belt, and they do nothing with it, it's such a disappointment in my eyes. So can I jump in real quick then? Okay. Does Why are we still thinking like that? In 2019, why do we still feel the need that the Intercontinental title needs to be the the stepping stone title? Because it clearly hasn't been, and WWE is obviously not marketing it as a stepping stone title anymore. They're not marketing anything as a second major belt. I mean, even the United States belt. Right now, AJ Styles, yeah, he has it, but what's he doing with it? That's exactly my point. I mean, for in WWE's creative eyes, which I'm not saying I agree with, this is just their logic of, well, let's build around the, the main storylines and those secondary titles. Oh, yeah, we'll feature them when we can. And I, I agree. I think that's totally wrong. But that's not WWE's line of thinking anymore, clearly. Do you think this also hurts the current tag team division? Well, it, it does, but the problem is is that the, the tag team division as a whole has been suffering for a while now. Um, so you think this is to help the tag team division? I hope. I mean, I, I hope, put it this way, I hope it's a wake-up call to everyone in the tag team division. thing is, there's so many people now that when they don't get an opportunity or whatever, they'll go, they'll, they'll go rant about it on Twitter or... They'll try to find ways out of their contract. And it's like, how about you guys actually fight for it? And I, I kind of hope that Seth and Braun having those titles wakes up all the other tag teams. If you want the gold, freaking work for it. You know, just because you don't get a match or something, go to Vince's office. Talk to him. Talk to Triple H. Do what you can to get yourself over. Don't just show up and not be interested. That doesn't help. You see, I'm surprised that they pairing these guys together. Oh, I am because too. the tag team division it, it has plenty of good tag teams on it. I mean, you got the Revival, you got the OC, you got the Usos. You Provided got heavy mind bars. Yeah. Oops. You've got heavy machinery. I mean, if you're not happy with those teams, okay, then push your push the ascension. Push Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. I mean, they those two teams, they got talent. Well, they have <laughs> options. And, like, that's the thing. Like, I don't th- – they have the options. They know they have the options, but they just choose not to utilize them properly. I'm not saying you have to utilize everybody. That would be madness. But, yeah, I mean, come on. To show showcase one or two teams over and over, who's that helping? I mean, when the Usos got drafted to Raw, how many times did they go up against the Revival? Oh. (laughs) Too many to count, right? Yeah, way too many. But that's because at that time, I mean, who else are they really going to face, really, once you think about when they first get drafted, at least? They're not going to face the B team. I didn't even know B team was still around until they said it on Raw that they were part of the tag team turmoil. I They're actually on SmackDown. I legitimately forgot that they were even around. And that's what I'm saying, though. I mean, you got all these tag teams. Instead of using them, you're just throwing two random people together because you got nothing for them. Yeah. 
And instead of having Sami Zayn team up with Nakamura, why not have Sami Zayn face Nakamura? Well, the problem with that is, is that you'd have to turn one of them face. And I don't. I like Sami Zayn better as a heel. Nakamura, I don't care about as a heel. But that would be the line of thinking is that they're two heels facing each other. Right, and I I would have no problem turning Shinsuke into a baby face. Well, his heel run has been terrible. He never should have been heel to begin with. No, I mean, he probably shouldn't have. I was there in New Orleans when he turned on AJ at WrestleMania, and right after he turned on AJ and low blowed him, I'm thinking the very first initial thought was, well, there goes Shinsuke, because it was a terrible move. Why would you take someone who's so incredibly over and turn him heel? And let this be a lesson to all you John Cena fans out there. John Cena should never be a freaking heel, okay? He's just too over with the crowd and little kids. WWE in no way was ever going to turn him heel. And I don't want to draw comparisons to Cena, but that's kind of how I felt with Nakamura. Like, he was wildly over, but yet you're going to turn him heel only to work a small program with AJ and then just not really feature him anymore at that point. I feel like we both have a lot of built-up anger about this issue. You with the John Cena, me blaming (laughs) WWE, because there's all these tag teams that deserve a shot. But, uh, okay, if you want to end on a positive note with all this talk, how do you feel about about Rude and, and Ziggles being a tag team? Robert Rude and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, I don't even know where to begin with this one. <laughs> because it just literally makes zero sense. It, it literally was, okay, we need another tag team for this for this matchup. Hmm. Okay, how about you over there, Robert Rude? We don't have anything going for you right now. You're in this match. Uh, let's see, uh, Dolph Ziggler, we don't have anything for you now that your thing with Kofi is over, so you guys are a tag team. Now, someone pointed this out on Twitter, and apologies, I don't know who it was, but someone said, why couldn't they have just paired Rude with EC3 and actually make EC3 a decent mid-carder? Because we've seen Dolph Ziggler so many times already. If that was the team, Rude and EC3... Would you be more excited? I don't know if I would be. Because I feel like it's the same thing. You two aren't doing anything. You're a tag team. And that just drives me crazy more than anything when they do that. See, I'm going to disagree. I think that you can put two random people together and make it work. But the problem is, is that you have to pick a decent time to do it or else it's not going to work. A tag team turmoil match was definitely not the best time to do that because you're showcasing in a tag team turmoil match, like the solid, like rock steady tag teams that people know. Like everyone knows that at least everyone knows that the B team's a tag team, that Hawkins and Ryder are a tag team. No one knew that Rude and Ziggler were a tag team. And that's why that would be a bad time to throw them together. I will say that I do agree with you about the oddball pairings. Um, 
because we have seen it work in the past. Here's a famous tag team that happened because of it. DX, Triple H and Shawn Michaels. They got thrown together, and they made it work. Yeah, it's it's fully possible. But my counter-argument is it takes two very talented people, and it's something that's rare that happens. Yeah. Seamus and Cesaro, they made it work when they were the bar. But, okay, but here's the thing, though, with the bar, was that the bar was a very believable tag team because you have two very hard hitters who are badasses who would hang out, pun intended, at a bar together. Two just rough-shot guys, which is why I feel like the pairing of Rude and Ziggler could work because you could have them be the high-class heels to where, you know, at least Rude keep you know, he can come out with his robes and, you know, Ziggler's sort of like the anti-Rude, but at the same time, they both have that common interest of, oh, we're placing ourselves way up higher than everybody else. Like, I kind of feel like that could have worked. Again, I just don't see it working as a tag team turmoil match. See, I kind of feel sorry for Robert Rude because he was doing okay for himself on SmackDown. Yeah. Then when he got drafted to Raw, it all fell apart. He was used less and less. He got thrown into another makeshift tag team with Chad Gable. Which was terrible. Right. It didn't really get over too well. So then they split. He grows a mustache to look like Rick Rude. (laughs) Changes his name slightly to Robert Rude. And then he's still being used less and less and they put him in another makeshift tag team. Well, and and that's the the problem we're going to be getting at is especially with him and Ziggler both, they're just going to go makeshift tag team after makeshift tag team at this point. And there's no, no reason, like it's obvious why Dolph Ziggler is constantly like in and out of WWE. It's for this kind of stuff, you know. It's creative. Um, Can we start referring to Robert Rude as the shampoo of the WWE? What? Lather, rinse, repeat. Oh, okay. A little flashy. I like it. Okay. I, I, I can. That's not a train wreck at all. That's a train saver. So. It's called an analogy. That's a very good analogy. Kudos to you. Wow. I never thought that the Michael Cole of podcasting could actually say something smart, but yet here we are. No, David Otunga. <laughs> Whatever you say, Adam Lee. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So, so switching along, we have your favorite segment. But first, this next segment is sponsored by Power Slam TV. Power Slam TV has the top promotions and celebrities in the pro wrestling world offering events, shoots, and other related content available for the first time in a single massive location that can be watched on smartphones, computers, and connected TVs. Power Slam TV showcases premium pro wrestling content from countries all over the world. Use the promo code Pro Wrestling Pod, that's all one word, Pro Wrestling Pod, for a month free on us. Visit PowerSlam 
TV for more info. And that segment is who, who, who is the 24-7 champion? Boy, has this been a rocky one. I don't even know where to begin. So with that said, I'm just going to throw it to you, Matt. I want I want to hear who has been 24-7 champion lately because it's it's been a roller coaster per usual. Okay, well, let's start off with the fact that you didn't do an update the last time. Oh, my gosh. Like, this is, like, my favorite segment, personally. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people out there that also love knowing what's going on with this belt. Because it's just randomly changing hands. I mean, uh, who, who knows who could win the belt next? It could be anyone. Although I will say this much, and I know you're about to name the title holders and everything, so I'm not going to say exactly who just yet, but I will say I love the fact that WWE is going out of their bubble to find people to be 24-7 champion. Well, somewhere along the line, Elias won the 24-7 championship. We've seen him defend it now. Um, in a music studio. I don't know if you've seen this on YouTube, but he's in the studio recording a new song or album or whatever. And then uh, the... I guess you can call him a roadie. He was like in the studio with him, handing him equipment. And here it turned out to be Drake Maverick, who tried winning the belt. That didn't go over so well. Uh, Elias beat him up pretty good. And walked out with his belt. So then there's some kind of event that Fox was putting on. And Elias is up there with his guitar, about ready to sing. And R Truth makes an appearance, rolls him up, pins him for the belt. So an R Truth takes off running with it because <laughs> Drake Maverick is on his tail. He's of course, chasing after him. He wants the belt. Well, then, R-Truth stumbles into a, the Fox Sports studio. So he's talking to everyone, and he accidentally trips over his own two feet, of all things. Oh, that's very R-Truth-like. I mean, literally, you, you watch <laughs> the replay of it, and he trips over nothing. But yeah, so that then, doesn't surprise me. Fox Sports host Rob Stone covers him. <laughs> Pins him, becomes the new 24-7 champion. How cool is that, by the way, that someone, a non-WWE employee, is winning the title? How cool is that? And that's, that's pretty cool. I, I mean, he's telling his co-hosts on the show to put the belt on him, which <laughs> I, I thought was hilarious. <laughs> and then uh, Elias comes back into the room. Rose him up, pins him, takes the belt, and as he's leaving, Rob Stone's <laughs> yelling at him, saying, we're not done, Elias. I, I, th I think Rob Stone was legitimately furious he lost the title. <laughs> well, and then R-Truth finally comes to, and he, he looks at Rob Stone, and he goes, it's not easy being the champ, is it? And then we see R-Truth take off after uh, Elias for the belt. So then fast forward over to SmackDown. Uh, 
Kevin Owens finds out that Shane McMahon isn't around. So uh, Elias is in the ring and Kevin Owens comes out and starts beating him up pretty good. And I believe, I want to say our truth made an appearance. I can't really think of how that went down. I just remember neither. I remember Kevin Owens stunning him but then walking out. Which and I then our truth did show up. Yeah, I, I can't remember how it went down. One second here. Well, while you look that up, I just want to say that I still believe that Kevin Owens should not be using the stunner. It just, it looks awkward, and I don't know what it is about it, but I say just leave that move to Austin and just retire it. Just don't let anyone touch the stunner after that. Because I thought, and and you know what? I actually agree with WWE, though. I think Kevin Owens was a good candidate to do a stunner, but he cannot do a stunner to save his life. It just looks clunky. Either it looks clunky, or I, I just expect Steve Austin to do it. So maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just me. But, All right. yeah. I, I find out that it's actually Drake Maverick who pinned Elias. He pinned him on SmackDown on the okay. 27th. Uh, it took place in the ring after Hello? Elias was attacked by Kevin Owens and after Maverick had stopped R-Truth from winning the title. Okay. Isn't that always a, a nice uh, mouthful to say, the 24-7 champions? And congratulations to Drake Maverick. He is now the 40th champion for that belt. (laughs) I love this, though. You know what? I really do, because it gives the the lower to mid-card guys something. It's not much, but you know what? Hey, have fun. Like, wrestling fans take this way too seriously sometimes. Like, this this is a great opportunity to just lighten up and just have fun. This is Drake Maverick's fifth reign. As 24-7 champion. And our truth obviously still holds the record. I mean... Oh, obviously. I, I, I don't have that in front of me, but I can guarantee you he does. Alright, so 13. moving on from... Oh my gosh. So moving on from your favorite segment, I want to talk about this little thing called King of the Ring. King of the Ring has been brought back. Uh, we discussed it on uh, uh, the last episode of the podcast that me and you both did. We gave our opinions. My bracket has not been quote-unquote busted yet because I picked Samoa Joe to win the whole thing. So as it stands now, we are in the, was this, quarterfinals? Yes, the quarterfinals. And here are the matchups that we have left. Okay, we have Samoa Joe taking on Ricochet. Um, I'll try to contain myself because I'm going to mark out for that match. Cedric Alexander taking on Baron Corbin, which I am not too excited for. Elias versus Ali, which I think could actually steal the entire King of the Ring match bracket. Chad Gable versus Andrade. So we are down to the final eight. And again, mine has not been busted. Samojo is still in it. So first off to you, how do you feel about these eight competitors being the final eight? And out of the eight, who do you think deserves to win King of the Ring? 
Well, I believe last time we talked about this, we both said Samoa Joe. And I'm looking at the names. You got Samoa Joe, Ricochet, Alexander, Corbin, uh, Elias, Ali, Gable, and Andrade. I, I still like Samoa Joe's chances. I think King Joe, it has a certain ring to it. But uh, I also want to let you know that we did ask people on Twitter, uh, with the first round in the books, does anyone have any King of the Ring predictions? So, um, some of them were, uh, here's one from Dave. He says, I'm calling Ricochet and Ali for the finals with Ricochet winning it. Okay. Which, that could be a pretty good final match. Oh, it, it's not, it, there's no could be it. That would be phenomenal, seeing Ricochet versus Ali. Uh, Ross says, lots of 205 guys. I would think Ricochet is a lock as he has been getting a huge push. Fair. And... Nick Bartlett, who he's a he's a pretty good fan of the show. Uh, he's always commenting on stuff on on Twitter. Um, Andrade versus Ricochet in the finals. That could be. I th- I think that could be a match that. Uh, see, I I think that it's pretty universal on the Raw side of things that a lot of people are expecting Ricochet to win. Uh, on the SmackDown side, I don't know. SmackDown doesn't really seem to be getting too much love from anybody to win King of the Ring. Um, See, I always look at King of the Ring as like a stepping stone to try and get guys over to that next level. Um, that being said, I'm still going with Samoa Joe because I think this is kind of what he needs to get over that hump. Yeah. But at I, the same time, I can say the same thing about Corbin. Well, and, and see, this is something that a lot of people, I think, would disagree with. Like, oh, Corbin doesn't need this and whatever. thing is, is that people love to hate Corbin, and that's what makes Baron Corbin one of the best heels in WWE. I said a couple months ago he was the best heel in WWE. I think him winning King of the Ring, I think that will make him the best heel in WWE again. Um I, I don't know. I just don't see him winning, though. And I really want Joe because, again, like you said, this is something that Joe needs. Corbin does not need this. Uh, you could say the same about Ricochet. Uh, same thing with Elias and Ali. Gable and Andrade you can make a case for, but I think – and Cedric, he needs it, but he's not there yet. So I just think out of all those names, in my, in my eyes, Joe has this thing won. Yeah, I like his chances. If I had to pick someone on the SmackDown side. Um, to win it or to face Joe? See, I would think that it would be the same person. Okay. I think it would. Now I'm torn here because I'm looking at the names. <laughs> Kudos to WWE for uh, keeping us guessing. Because I can, I can almost see it being Chad Gable. Because really? there's a couple of reasons. Right now, we're both saying Samoa Joe. Right. Okay, so we can lock him in for the finals on the sure. Raw side. 
so SmackDown more than likely that means that it has to be a good guy. Uh, not only does he have that going for him, but the last few promos that he's been doing, he's basically calling himself an underdog, which he is in this tournament. He's an underdog. Yeah, that's very true. But at the same time, they were. It wasn't too long ago they were trying to push Ali pretty hard. In my opinion, that push kind of fell apart for whatever reason. So I think I'm locking in Gable as my SmackDown pick. I think it'll be Samoa Joe and Chad Gable. I'm going to have to disagree. I think it's going to be Joe and Ali. I. It's pretty much for the reasons you said. Like They were pushing him somewhat hard with the, the vignettes, and they teased a title match against Shinsuke, but then all of a sudden just stopped. And I don't know if that was due to maybe heat on Ali or maybe someone just didn't really want to push him at the time. I think that maybe this could be a way of, in a way, making up for that. Not saying he would win. Again, Samojo's definitely the lock to win for me. But if he gets a great showing in the tournament, you know, maybe that could really solidify him as a mid-carder, finally. Because I love Ali. I think he's phenomenal. He's a good athlete. It's a real good high flyer. Yeah. Yeah, and I think WWE is doing a great job with this tournament so far, and I'm really eager to see who it comes down to. I, I was really impressed with the Ali and Buddy Murphy match. Buddy Murphy has been putting on wrestling clinics lately. Um, everyone says that he does on 205 Live, and I'm, if that's the case, then I'm very happy that they're utilizing him on SmackDown. Well, after that match, one of the things that I started thinking about was these two guys came from 205 Live. They just put an awesome match. Maybe we should be watching 205 more. And I believe Triple H is head of creative on 205 Live as well. And so I wonder if maybe he had a lot of input in terms of directing that match. No, I haven't watched it. Lately, is Drake Maverick still the general manager? <laughs> you know what's funny about that? Someone on Twitter has the same exact thing, and I could not find an answer for it. Um, so I am on the Wikipedia page for 205 Live. Yeah, he is still the general manager. Hmm, how about that? <laughs> it, it must be weird for people who watch 205 Live, by the way. Like, he's on Raw chasing around this title, and then... Like, the very next night, he's on 205 Live as general manager. Like, it has to be weird for some people. Oh, absolutely. He's on Raw and SmackDown, gyrating his hips. <laughs> Consummating his marriage. Consummating his marriage. <laughs> trying to win the 24-7 championship. And then 205 Live, I imagine he's, like, in a suit still. Well, and it's the same thing when he was managing Authors of Pain. You know, it was like... I don't understand why he's managing them to begin with. Like that was, we talked about odd pairings earlier in the show. It's kind of the same thing, but then you watch 205 live and it's like, Oh yeah, by the way, so-and-so versus so-and-so is the main event for like, it's just a weird dynamic to have. Talk about another forgotten tag team. Arthur's of pain. Well, the reason why I, and I don't know if it's still ongoing or not, but one of them, had a pretty serious shoulder injury, so they just took the tag team off of TV 
altogether. Yeah, but I thought they came back during one of the recent pay-per-views. Did they? I don't know. It's See, I I was never really a fan of Authors of Pain to begin with. I don't know. To me, it just seems like it's been done to death. I think over time they could have been decent. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I liked them in NXT because they were managed by Paul Ellering, and I thought that was pretty wild to see him back in a managing role. But, oh well. I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll be popping up sooner or later. But anyway, I want to move gears now, and I want to talk about a show that is finally airing on TV after speculation and rumors And that show is NXT. NXT is being moved from the WWE Network onto USA Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. No real reason as to why, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But first off, I want to say, in all honesty, congrats to the NXT roster. I think it's great. You know, they deserve this no matter what the reason is. Um, I really hope they don't get overshadowed by current Raw and SmackDown superstars. I really think NXT should still be its own bubble. Um, not even treat it as a third brand, just still treat it as the developmental system that it is. And kudos to them. Uh, we meant, we commented about this because there was talk it could be on FS1. Then there was talk of it being on USA. I'm very happy for NXT airing on national TV. Well, there's been talks about them actually canceling 205 Live. So if they do that, then NXT UK is the only in-ring original left on the WWE Network. Right. And uh, I thought that's always been one of the big draws for the network is that you get NXT. Yeah. Um, I I would venture to say that's one of the big draws. I would say the other one is the fact that WrestleMania is ten bucks. I mean... Well, any pay-per-view, really. Yeah, but, I mean, you can't really compare WrestleMania to, say, Payback or something, you know? I mean, it's 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 WrestleMania. Like, that was a huge draw on the network when it first came out. I still think that's a draw. I mean, there's still pay-per-view companies that sell WrestleMania for, like, 70 bucks or however much. And how they're selling, but that's a different story. But... Um. Yeah, so I I would venture to say that it is kind of a blow in a way to the network. I will agree, but I don't think it's going to hurt, you know, s- subscribers to the WWE network because if you're really that concerned about it, they're still airing NXT the following night, uh, Thursday at eight. So it's not like you're fully losing it either. What day is NXT going to be airing, did they say? On USA? Yeah. What day of the week? Wednesday. Oh, yeah, that's right, because it's going to... Yeah, because it's going to compete with uh, AEW. What are you talking about, Matt? Clearly, they're just doing this because they can. There's no other reason. Yeah, Yeah. wink, wink. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I say congrats to them. Um, it's really going to be refreshing to see 
Adam Cole Bebe and Johnny Gargano tearing down the house on national platform. Uh, the very first episode, I'm, I know for sure I'm going to tune into it. Um, I was actually considering, and you know, I'll send something out on Twitter as it gets closer. I might do a live uh, review show after NXT airs that Wednesday. Again, if I do do that, I'll keep you guys informed on the tweet machine, as the kids call it. I don't think they're calling it that. I don't think they are either. I just made it up. It sounded pretty good. Hello? Train wreck. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, you know, congratulations to them. And it's going to be very interesting to see, especially when AEW starts just a few weeks after that. Um, there is a rumor that a certain tag team will be... Uh, I guess, re-debuting for NXT. I don't know if you heard about this. And it's all just speculation and rumor at this point, uh, even though one half of the tag team denied it. That being Enzo and Cass. Have you heard about this? No, I haven't heard about that. It's just a pure rumor that uh, some people seem to be denying it. Dave Meltzer said, oh yeah, WWE has been in talks with them. However, there's another report that said, no, that's not been the case. Uh, Cass himself came out and denied it. WWE has denied it. So I don't know what's going on with this. Um, however, the main speculation was that they would be added to NXT. Um, it's. I, I think they would welcome back Cass, but I don't think the WWE would welcome back Enzo. I, I would be all for Cass. I would not be all for Enzo. And I... I mean, his name is cleared, but there's always there's still a negative connotation with Enzo. I feel he just starts too much stuff. Yeah, then that's that's who he is, and you know he's he's a heat magnet, and you know Cass doesn't need that. I mean, you, Cass I think is very marketable. He can't really talk on the mic. You need to give him a Paul Heyman kind of guy to do the talking for him, but. He, he was getting was, better before he left. He he was, but I still think he needs work. I mean, that's just me, though. But um, would you be excited if, not, not even necessarily in zone cast, but if they had the big names show up on NXT? Like, say, say a Seth Rollins or a John Cena show up on NXT. Would you be okay with that, or do you think... No, let it be the guys who are in NXT. I would be okay with it for the first episode only. And that's because I can understand them wanting to draw people in and get ratings for it. Right. But after that, you got to go back to the roots and showcase the future of the company. Which is what NXT was built on. So, right. Yeah, I, I fully agree. So how are you feeling? Feeling pretty good. Yeah, too bad uh, your solo shows aren't too good. What? They're better than yours. Oh, okay. That That's hurtful. Michael Cole. Train wreck. <laughs> anyway, that will, that will do it for... I am not a train wreck. That will do it for us. If you want to hit up the show, the Gmail is prowrestlingpod at gmail.com. Once again, prowrestlingpod at gmail.com. Facebook is facebook.com slash prowrestlingpod. Once again, facebook.com slash prowrestlingpod. Twitter is at prowpodcast. Once again, at prowpodcast. 
ProWrestlingPod.blogspot.com is your official website there. You have blog posts, interviews, episodes of the show itself, and much more. Available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and right here on Anchor. My name is Nick. My name is Matt. We'll see you guys next time. Nick is a train wreck. (laughs) Not a train wreck. Working on it, Adam Lee. We are broadcasting Raw Live from my ass. Boom, boom. I'd rather watch two old women slap my ass. <laughs> Woo. That's as tough as a chunk of my ass. Here comes the biggest ass. The big man is back. Jim Raw, 350 pounds here. Say hello to my ass. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the greatest spectacle on earth. My ass. 30 men will enter my ass. You know what I mean. The most important thing to a tag team is my ass. I totally agree with you, JR. Here you go, King. Kiss my ass. I wish you would jump on top of me, JR. It disgusts me to see my ass. My daughter's nursery rhymes are more aggressive than this. I can't help but look at the butt, JR. What? <laughs>